Welcome into the Falk.net podcast. Scott Chasen alongside Michael Swain. Michael, it is fall camp. Football is here. It is still summer, but the, the fall camp period for the Kansas football team is underway. August 2nd, everyone reported August 3rd, the first day of practices. August 4th was KU Football Media Day. A bunch of content up on our site, including for our new VIP subscribers. Uh, kind of some some takeaways for, from the open practice session and just some observations I had. So, Swain, I know you're back from a trip from Mexico and powering through. It, it's the flu game for Michael Swain today, but uh, other other than maybe some food poisoning, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm finally back in the U.S. I'm very happy to be back, and I cannot wait for football season to get fully underway, even though we're still technically in summer. It's fall camp. I'm very excited, and, and I think that this is going to be a very interesting, interesting podcast. <laughs> I, I would agree so. So basically what we're going to talk about today, uh, because KU Football Media Day came up, that's going to be the topic of this one. We're going to hit a, a lot of basketball recruiting topics in the next week. But but really, we're just going to run through each of kind of the topics from Media Day. We'll, we'll talk about each position group, each of the storylines, and kind of give a quick take on it. We're going to get you through the whole roster, and the goal, like I've said with these, is – really to get through these in about a half hour. So good listening for your commute, you know, just something quick. If, if you maybe aren't as familiar with this year's KU football team and want to, you know, kind of figure out what you've been missing, let's start with maybe the biggest news uh, in terms of, of actual, like, noteworthy things happening. And and that's the departure of one player, Kazali Flomo. And, and for those of you who do not know, Flomo was expected to play a pretty significant role in, in the KU offense. He wasn't going to be the number one running back, uh, but he was going to be a power back. And players on the team had described him as a bowling ball, a, a guy who was really tough to tackle, a guy who had hurt to tackle. He would he would kind of bang up the, the defensive players just because of how he would you know get really low and crash into them. He was very you know built very well and uh, no longer on the team. They they found out he has a heart condition and. Beatty made the comment that, you know, the guy is one of the biggest hearts of anyone he's ever been around, but also it's it's his heart that's going to keep him from being able to play football. And, you know, obviously it's very, very, very fortunate that they caught that condition. Beatty said, you know, if we get the chance to talk to Flomo, we'll get the chance to learn a little bit more about the condition. But Beatty, Beatty said he could have straight up died if, if he had taken a, you know, a really hard hit and, and whatever had happened. So uh, obviously, you know, you, you, want everyone to be taking the right precautions and everything like that. And and it is also, though, a significant loss for, for the KU football team. And other departures, Larry Hughes and offensive lineman Foster Dixon, Hunter Salisbury, and Mazen Akel, I believe is how you say the name of the defensive end. None of those are really that big. Uh, some of those were, were some maybe talented recruits or talented, you know, whatever, talented guys coming into the program. Uh, but – at the same time, right, really, Kazeli Flomo was the only one who was going to factor in significantly to KU. So I wanted to start there. Uh, Swain, anything in terms of departures? I mean, the KU running backs unit is going to be one of the deepest, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Anything jump off the page with you with uh, with any of those departures? I mean, in general, you just have to feel bad for Flomo. I, he comes here, out transfers after going to community college for a year or two. I'm not 100% sure. I think it's two. But you're happy that they caught it in all honesty. I think it sucks that they're taking away what, you know, Beatty had called a bowling ball back in the spring season. That's an aspect of the running backs now that they don't really have. They don't have that bruising back now. You know, I've got Herbert Williams, uh, Dom Williams also. All those guys are speed backs, so they really do lose a piece in that 
bowling ball, for lack of a better word. So I think that that's definitely the biggest departure. The rest of them, as you said, not really that big of a deal. I think it doesn't really affect anything on the depth chart. Yeah, and, and uh, three of those departures are medical uh, non-qualifiers. That's Ackle, Sosbury, and Dixon. And then Larry Hughes is transferring. Uh, Beatty made it clear. He said, quote, we uh, did have a kid that is leaving us that did a lot for this university that we love and we care for dearly. He did not do anything wrong. So Beatty's saying he did not get kicked off the team, uh, but simply that uh, he's choosing to transfer maybe closer to back home. So we'll see where he ends up. Now, uh, also some additions, a uh, bunch of new offensive linemen on the roster. Dwayne Wallace, incoming transfer guard, I believe, from California, 6'4", 325 pounds. I, I, he's really the biggest name. You have a couple of guys in uh, Adagio Lapetti, I believe his name is, and Oppie Main, uh, who are from the College of San Mateo, who really joined Miles Kendrick. Uh, I believe Ruben Lewis, he might have signed previously, but but he was announced. Uh, Jack Luavasa is a tight end, another San Mateo guy, and Jelani Brown, uh, a defensive tackle. So a lot of guys from San Mateo showed up. Really the biggest one there is going to be on that offensive line. Uh, Beatty said the San Mateo guys had been taking snaps at center. I don't expect either of them to be on the two deep in, in that. I, I think that'll be – we can talk about that a little bit, who I think that'll be uh, – in a, in a few moments, but Dwayne Wallace, really the big name there. Uh, Keo adding some depth with this and, you know, Beatty's been very hesitant to say who's going to start, who, who, you know, looks like they're about to fill into what positions, but I think Dwayne Wallace is a guy that, I mean, he even admitted, he's like, this guy's going to give us depth. So at, at the very least from day one, even if he doesn't start, uh, even if he isn't, you know, even if they go with, let's say Chris Hughes and Tovey as their guards, it, Dwayne Wallace is still going to give them depth, and I and I do expect him to compete for a starting spot. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that, I mean, if you remember, back in the spring, they couldn't even have a spring game. They didn't have enough offensive linemen. So they really did have to go out and get a bunch of offensive linemen, and they've done just that. I haven't watched too much of Wallace's film yet, but I think that I agree with you. I don't think he's he may not start, but you can never have too much depth, especially on the offensive line. You saw what happened when Mesa Riberty went out last year. The offensive line turned to just... Swiss cheese, basically. I think that adding him as well as the other one from Ohio State, I think, again, you can never have too much depth and competition is great. And I think that that could, in the end, help the offensive line, having that competition and knowing that if someone goes down, you're not going to be just absolutely screwed. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that's fair. Kevin Feeder, the the Ohio State offensive yeah. lineman, was actually out of practice. And I put in our in, in one of my takeaways, I mean, the guy's gigantic. He's only listed... He is listed at six foot nine, three hundred pounds, which Ooh. only makes him technically like one or two inches bigger than the largest players on the roster. He is at least five inches taller than every offensive lineman in his helmet and pads, straight up. Like th- this guy is a monster. I don't know if he's underlisted and he's really like seven feet tall, or if other people are overlisted, which you know happens on every team across the country. But this guy is gigantic, and and whether or not he knows how to block, uh, he he's definitely got the body and the size to do it. So let's let's run through the positions here. We'll start with the quarterbacks. Put this in the VIP breakdown. We didn't really get to see a lot uh, out of them. I thought it was interesting. Uh, Miles Kendrick is actually the holder uh, for one of the field goal kickers, so he wasn't with the quarterbacks for the entire time we were out there, but then he joined them. Uh, There are four quarterbacks who work out together and then one who works out from the side. The four names are Miles Fallon in in reverse order. Miles Fallon, Miles Kendrick, Carter Stanley, Peyton Bender. So it's really three. Uh, Peyton Bender, Carter Stanley, or Miles Kendrick. But if you ever hear a player or read a quote where a player is like our four quarterbacks, Miles Fallon is the the fourth name that they are counting in that competition. And and 
We didn't get to see much. Peyton Bender had a couple nice deep balls. Uh, it was a lot of short and intermediate passing. And uh, honestly, there, there wasn't a huge takeaway. However, I did go around to, to each of the quarterbacks and kind of ask them, what do you think it is that's going to win you this competition? I thought it was interesting that at least Carter Stanley and Miles Kendrick, the, the two things they said, it was you know competitiveness, leadership, and those types of things. And I, obviously everybody thinks they're going to win the starting quarterback battle. I think we've started to think, see things shape out. I think Carter Stanley had a really good summer, for example. So I, I think we started to see some things already kind of shaping out with the uh, with the quarterback competition. But, you know, at the same time, like this is something those guys are aware of. And unlike past years where it hasn't been that people are afraid to acknowledge it, but people have danced around the topic. You're seeing a lot more people kind of embrace the the quarterback competition as an idea. Even Steven Sims, who is, who has really not said much about it over the years. I, I asked him straight up. I was like, Beatty says, you know, a couple weeks they're, they're really hoping to have a guy. And, and Steven Sims in the past has been a guy who has said, you know, all the right things and said, well, it doesn't really matter if we, we get a guy now, we get a guy later. They're all, you know, we're going to do our best and, and we'll build the chemistry and whatever. Stevenson said straight up, no, I think it's good that we're going to have the guy because quite frankly, that's what you want. The saying, if you know, you don't have two quarterbacks, you, or if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one uh, is to say that if you have two quarterbacks that are equally as good, then neither has separated themselves. And, you know, Beatty's even been asked that, you know, about that saying before. And his answer at the time was uh, that he thought they actually had three quarterbacks. And, and again, that kind of speaks to the idea that no one has ever really emerged. Montel Kozart was probably the closest uh, that anyone came to that, and then he got injured in the game against Ohio, and even then he didn't earn the starting spot. He had to leave, go to Boise State, and really impress over there. Uh, Beatty even kind of referenced him at, at media day and was like, he didn't magically get better. He got you know with an, a better offensive line. Um, at the same time, I, I think you saw what Montel Kozar did with Boise State and seeing what both those guys did at KU. It, it, at some point, the KU staff needed to go with a guy and just say, you are the guy. And, and I think they tried to do that with Bender last year. And I think either injury or or those two disastrous performances meant they had to go away from that. But I think more than anything, they just want one quarterback. They just want to be able to say, you're our guy and stick with it moving forward. So uh, thoughts on quarterbacks headed into the fall. So the thing that I am, I'm happy about, but also a little bit concerned about, I like that the team is embracing the quarterback competition. As you said, because in years past, they've, danced around it and acted really they didn't want to talk about it and I do like that how this year they're doing that but again I it goes back to the point of quarterback competition is great but I really think that they need to narrow it down as quickly as they can and they said they would narrow it down to two before they get to one but I think they need to do this as soon as possible because you don't want to have your starter in the end you know a week before the first game looking behind his back like okay am I going to get pulled if I you know stink it up in the first two games I think that in the end I do think I'll say I think Carter Stanley will end up being the quarterback to start but I do have an interesting question for you I read in your the VIP thoughts that you said that or Puka Williams didn't miss any balls or drop any balls we'll talk about them a little bit later but when the quarterbacks were throwing, was there anything that stood out to you? You know, we can we can actually transition to the running backs right now because we, there really wasn't that much from the quarterbacks throwing. It was a lot of short and intermediate routes and, and really nothing that would be that telling. Like you could make too much of like, ooh, Carter Stanley took the first snap this time, but then you look again and it's like Miles Kendrick will take the first snap or, or Peyton Bender will. So, uh, I, you know, they I think 
I'm not saying it was by design that the part of the practice the media was allowed to go to. They didn't have the quarterbacks doing much. Uh, but but definitely it was it was a relatively boring kind of, you know, not really in pads, just kind of throwing it around type day. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely think so. Transitioning into the running backs now, I think that this is the strongest aspect of the, this year's team, at least. I mean, Khalil Herbert, if he can stay healthy, because he did have that hamstring injury that he got against Texas Tech. If he can stay healthy and produce as he did before the injury, I think that he's going to be incredible. And I also think that Puka Williams being able to do a little bit of both slot and running back will be really interesting. And I think that the depth of this, the running backs will allow Herbert to not have to push himself so much so that he's not going to have to take a ton of carries consistently down after down. So he can come in and be efficient and effective in the times that he does come in. And I also am interested to see, because you had said that uh, Puka Williams is a lot smaller and I mean, he he's a true freshman, so he's not going to be big and muscular like a Joe Deneen is at this point. But I do, I'm very interested. That'll be something I'm going to be watching for the first three games of the season to see what Puka Williams does. Is he going to play some slot? The coaching staff says they want to play him at running back, but I'd be very interested to see if that actually happens just because of the wear and tear as the season goes on, especially in the conference play. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, a big takeaway was he's so much smaller than everyone else and it's in height, it's in, it's, I mean, in body, it's in, it's in everything. And and I know the coaching staff has said they're confident and in, in that he's jacked and that he's whatever. Uh, you can't look at him right now alongside the other running backs and think this is, a, you know, it, obviously he's an incredibly fast and, and quick and, and kind of elusive guy. And so I think that's going to bode really well for him. I, I expect a lot of his carries will come on like jet sweeps or, or I don't want to say gadget plays or like I made the comparison a little bit to how the Chiefs use DeAnthony Thomas and and like finding creative ways to get him the ball at the line of scrimmage and kind of just saying, go make a play. So I, I expect to see a lot of that, more of a running back than LaQuiviante Gonzalez was. Uh, LaQuiviante Gonzalez kind of the, was used in a lot of the ways that I just described and they wanted to kind of move him around all over the field. The difference though, as Beatty pointed out at Big 12 Media Day, is Gonzalez was I want to say a junior or in his at least third year of college by the time he came to KU. So uh, a little bit of a difference there in that he he was kind of used to that wear and tear that you talked about. The running backs unit, I agree. Strongest unit on the team, even without Flomo. I think Khalil Herbert, I put this in the story, clearly the leader of the unit. Dom Williams is, is probably right on his tail. And Deron Thompson, uh, you know, he had a really bad drop at, at the, the portions and Tony Hall got onto him for it. Uh, but even he impressed me. I think those three um, kind of leading your running backs unit. And if you you look on our site, I actually have a story running through all the quarterbacks and running backs on the roster. And there's some depth behind those three. But but I think those three, and then you have another guy. So in, you you have Puka Williams. I, I think that's a that is a backfield that will probably make it lead to this team. Uh, you know, going with a run first approach, just because mm-hmm. it, it really does have the personnel for it. I think Khalil Herbert could rush for 1,000 yards if he stays healthy uh, on fewer carries than you think because of what you just described. I think, you know, if you're giving him 15 carries a game or 18 carries a game or something and not having to give him, you know, I don't know how many carries he had in the game. He rushed for 291 yards, but I'm guessing it was a few more than 15 or 18 or something like that. Uh, I think by the end of the year, he's going to be so much fresher that you can start to lean on him. And that's when you really start to, you know, ramp up his carries and ramp up his workload. And then I think you could you could see him have a monster year. Dom Williams, another guy, 
you know, he looked smooth. He didn't look spectacular uh, in what we saw. I spent most of my time actually with the running backs and the uh, the linebackers. I, I thought he just looked fine. Um, but but certainly possible that that he could be in line for for a big year as well. So uh, running backs definitely going to be a strong unit. I think they'll throw to the ball the ball to the running backs a lot. So I think that that's definitely going to be an area they're going to work with all these guys on is pass catching. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see who kind of emerges as the short yardage back. But but really, mm-hmm. I think any of those guys could do it right now. And and they wouldn't be as good as a flomo. Uh, but I, I think they'd all be able to kind of do it in their own way. Uh, although, again, you may see the team opt for short passes on on third and short rather than short runs. So uh, those are kind of my thoughts on the running backs. Anything else to add there before we hop along? Nope, that's it. All right, uh, let's do the offensive line. Okay, you brought in a bunch of new names, like I mentioned. Uh, right now, Alex Fontana, a transfer from Houston, he, you would never want to guarantee a guy is going to like start, especially like at a singular position when there are like eight players are currently taking snaps on the offensive line. I would say there's a 95% chance he's your starting center on day one because I think they like what Andrew Tovey did in the spring, but he's much better as a guard. And I think. It, you, you, I mentioned Dwayne Wallace, or Chris Hughes, or whoever. Like, I think they want those guys to be the guards, and I think they really like Alex Fontana at center. Uh, they've got a lot of choices for backup center. It could be Tovey. Uh, David Beatty mentioned Joey Gilbertson. He he said he's huge. I think he's up to, to 295 pounds, something like that. Um, he, he mentioned a bunch of guys. He, he mentioned the, the San Mateo transfers. Like I said, eight players snapping, in my opinion. That's seven players snapping for backup center. Uh, behind Alex Fontana, but we'll see what it looks like. You never know. Obviously, fall camp can can change a lot of things. Hakeem Adeniji, expect him to hold down the outside uh, one of the tackle spots. I mean, I mean, pretty much with a bullet. Uh, and the other one's kind of up in the air. It could be a guy like Kevin Feeder, who's who's you know in competition for that. It could be a guy like Clyde McCauley. It could be could be any number of guys. So I think it'll be really interesting to see who plays tackle opposite Adeniji. I think it'll be really interesting to see who plays guard opposite either Tovey or Fontana, uh, Fontana, because those two are going to start on the offensive line, whether it's center and guard, guard and guard, or or guard and center in reverse order. So uh, really, you've got two offensive linemen spots up in the air, and then you've got a lot of depth. But but this five-man unit should be pretty good. And and I mentioned the Montel Kozer thing. Beatty also talked about how, like, uh, Johnny Manziel had a great offensive line in front of him, and Baker Mayfield had a great offensive line in front of him, and he, he was kind of talking about, I, I would like to see what our guys could do with with a really good offensive line. So I don't think he was a great offensive line by any means. I do think it has a pretty solid offensive line in terms of compared to what it has been the past few years. And straight up, I, I think that will probably allow, that combined with the run game, will probably allow for the best quarterback play KU has had uh, probably since the Todd Reising era, it may not be the most talented individual passer because, again, we don't really know what those guys would have looked like if they had great offensive lines. Uh, but it, it should be an okay to good, uh, maybe not good in the context of the Big 12, but an okay offensive line in the context of the Big 12 health uh, kind of withstanding. So um, th- those are my thoughts mostly on the offensive line. Swain, I'll throw it to you. Um, I think that... I wrote last year at the end of the season, I did this kind of big recap piece for the Kansan at the point. Um, and I talked about one of the bright spots or one of the biggest room places where the team can improve most is the offensive line. Now I didn't expect them to go out and get all these transfers and Juco guys, but I think that that's good. I think again, 
as I said earlier, the depth is great. But I think that having Adeniji becoming a junior now and Tovey being a junior, this is an older offensive line where last semester or last year, I guess, uh, you had Mesa Riberty, who was one of the more veteran people, the quarterback of the offensive line for to be cliche. But I think now this being a more mature offensive line, I think that they should have learned from all the mistakes that were made last year, not by specific people, but just skill wise, you learn from the mistakes that you make. So I think that this this offensive line has the biggest variance of they could be pretty good in comparison to other offensive lines in years past, or it could just go down in flames and we could see a revolving door of offensive linemen because they are so deep. Yeah, it'll be interesting too. Their chemistry is such an important thing in the offensive line, especially like, I mean, you think about high school teams that'll start a bunch of guys together knowing they may not be very good one year, but by the time they're seniors, you know, uh, they're they're going to have an incredible chemistry and be able to kind of do a lot of things well together. So that's one thing this team won't have. It, it may have a couple guys who have played alongside each other, but it will definitely be trying to integrate a, a lot of new faces. So that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I think that pretty much covers us for the offense. Uh, don't really need to dive into tight ends. I guess we have wide receivers too. It, it, right now it looks like Steven Sims and everyone else. We're, yeah. we're waiting for people to emerge. Dalen Charlotte's interesting. Uh at the same time, hard to hard to throw too much stock in him after after what happened last year. We'll see if he has a better grasp of things in the offense. He said he was dealing with an injury last year. Talked to wide receivers coach Justin Johnson. He said talking to people, it was more of a maybe a, a not not a mental issue, but in terms of like a, a learning the new offense and because you know he's a transfer, so uh, he he seemed to think it was more that side of it. So uh, we'll see if he has a bit of a better handle on all of that. Let's move to the defensive side of the ball, and we'll start with the defensive backs. Beatty thinks this unit's going to be significantly better. Uh, when I asked him at his press conference who he thought, uh, how, how he thought that unit was shaking out, he listed pretty much every single name except Mike Lee and Corion Harris, which I think is a good sign for the two of them because it, it honestly just means they've established themselves to the ex- extent that it's no longer like, hey, anyone kind of surprising you or anyone kind of really performing well? It's like you don't even need to say that because those are the, just the two guys who are doing it every day. So a good sign for the two of them and talking to the to the coordinators and, and whatnot. Uh, I think they're really excited about what they have there. Hassan Defense is a guy they feel like they can move around uh, and play in a lot of different positions, and they feel like that because they think they have the depth now to do that. So... I spoke with Cassius Sendish, safeties coach. He thinks uh, th- there's really a chance for that unit to to do some things and impress some people this year. Uh, secondary needed to be better after how bad that group was last year. And, and oh, yeah. I mean, really where I'm at, I, I think they will be. Yeah, I, I do too. I think that the addition of Corion Harris, again, even though he's a freshman, true freshman, everything that I've heard from the people that I've talked to is that he's just killed it. And I remember uh, in spring, his first practice, I was told uh, by one of the wide receivers, his name slips me now, but that he caught an interception. It was like the first interception he had caught. It was one of the first plays, and he just punted the ball. Like he was just that competitive, and it seems like he's going to be one of those guys that is going to play on one side and can guard the best receiver on the other team. And you can have Hassan Defense and Tornado and, and all the Mike Lee and all the other guys. You can move them around to fit what each offense you're going against does. I think that that is really important. I think that having that lockdown corner, even though there are going to be times where he's going to get burned because, again, he's a freshman and he's a true freshman and he's not the biggest. Again, he's just like Puga Williams. He's not small, but he's just not, doesn't have that muscle that you would like to see, like someone like Mike Lee has, who put on 15 pounds between the end of last season and spring. I think that 
I honestly think Corian Harris could end up being on one of the Big 12, all Big 12 teams come the end of conference play. Yeah, it'll be interesting. They, they definitely think that right now he's, he's still raw and, and he still gets, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in practices and whatnot, taken advantage of a couple times, you know, just because of, of that, you know, he he's raw. He's a freshman. You wouldn't expect him to be anything else. But, you know, his recovery speed is amazing. And honestly, like you just mentioned, I mean, I think there are very high hopes for for what he could be in his first year. Uh, I was talking to a position coach and along with uh, Kevin Flaherty, and we kind of posed the question because his body type is such that he likes maybe some of the others could be moved around a little bit. But uh, no, to your point, Swain, what, what we've been told to this point is that he is going to be on an island and they're, they're going to stick him on, you know, with one receiver, one side of the field, whatever. And that's going to be his responsibility as a freshman. And I think for a freshman, the, I mean, that's, that's pretty, it's a lot of trust and oh yeah, it's, it's, I can't think of many freshman cornerbacks at KU specifically who you've been like, oh my God, like at least since, you know, those, the great ones, basically like your, your guys, like your Chris Harris's or keep to basically. So uh, it, it'll be really interesting to see how he embraces that role and, and if he really is as, as advertised because both he and Puka Williams, four-star recruits, extremely talented guys. Uh, defensive backs unit should be good. Defensive ends and the pass rush should be interesting. They're obviously losing a guy in, uh, in Dorrance Armstrong to the NFL. Pretty significant program loss, but have a chance to be better, mostly because that unit underperformed so heavily last year. Uh, Jesse Williams has kind of been working with everyone and really from a technique standpoint to making sure that, that maybe things that weren't especially ironed out last year, that, that they feel like there's a lot of room for improvement just in terms of strictly technique and making sure they're doing things the right way. Uh, Talking to Daniel Wise, he's also kind of embraced his, his quote unquote next step as being a leader and, and being a more vocal presence. He was a very vocal presence last year, but kind of leading these, the team in these, off-season conditioning workouts and things that maybe they hadn't totally done in years past. And, you know, Clint Bowen, the defensive coordinator, said it was really promising to see guys like Daniel Wise step up and and get everyone organized and say, hey, every Saturday we're doing this practice. This is a player's thing. It's technically voluntary, but all the guys are doing it because the leaders and the guys they respect on the team are are really the ones behind it. So uh, I think the pass rush could be better this year. Even losing a name like uh, like Dorrance Armstrong, I think it'll be really interesting to see if it's Najee Stevens, uh, McKenzie, uh, emerging opposite Daniel Wise, or, or where they even play Wise because he can play inside and outside. If E.C. Olani, what the the staff decides, he was uh, reportedly arrested uh, for a driving under the influence. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of what the staff does and, and what his status of, on the team is. Uh, you've got other guys like J.J. Holmes who who are expected to factor in, and and even a guy in Cody Cole who Daniel Wise told me is really impressed uh, and has a real chance to provide some depth. So uh, a lot a lot of names out there. Uh, I, I do think the defensive line should be okay. It will probably produce better than last year, even though it may not be better than last year's. And I think that'll also be in part because I think the secondary should be a lot better. Yeah, I definitely agree. I like the name that you brought up, Najee Stevens-McKenzie. He was really good at ASA College, and he's out of Cleveland, Ohio. But I think that he's one that I cannot wait to get and watch because I haven't seen him yet. And I think that he could be the one that is the X factor, for lack of a better word, on that defensive line. Being the defensive end, he's going to most likely be asked to replace Dorrance Armstrong in that position. Not, of course, the production that Dorrance had, at least his sophomore year. But I think that he's going to be the one that 
is going to fill in that spot, and I can't wait to watch him. I also am really interested to see who else fills in as defensive tackle alongside Daniel Wise. I think Wise, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to get a lot of sacks this year because last year he was good, but Dorrance, you know, was getting double teamed and had to deal with a lot of other stuff that was going on, and he had he had a lot of attention on him. So now Daniel Wise is going to be the one with the attention on him, and I really am interested to see how he deals with that because chances are they're going to be throwing double teams and different looks at him to try and slow him down. I think that this defensive that the defensive ends have again the b- biggest variance on this defense. I think the defensive backs are clearly going to be the best position group. I think the linebackers with Joe Denine, they're going to be consistent. So I think that the defensive ends are going to make or break this defense. For sure. Talking about the linebackers, uh, Joe Denine was one of my favorite people to watch in the practice just because, I mean, he, he had mentioned to me before going into the spring that, that he really wanted to get better in coverage. And and I think you're really seeing that. I mean, he has totally embraced the, the I, I mean, not to say he wouldn't be trying at practice otherwise, but but he's totally, totally embraced the, the kind of... Uh, it's hard to put into words. It's like these drills basically where the linebackers are at an extreme disadvantage because they can't tackle. So they can't run full speed at a running back knowing full well, like they won't be able to stop themselves in time to keep from hitting them. So the drill is basically where the running backs just try and lose the, the linebackers and it should be very easy for them considering they can run full speed, do whatever. And you know, the linebackers have to hold up. They can't drill the, you know, they can't knock the ball away. They can't do a lot of different things. So uh, it was just awesome to watch uh, Joe Deneen call out the routes of guys as they were running it and being like, oh, you're going to turn this outside. And then the guy would, and he'd be like, that's what I thought while he's chasing this guy from down from behind and covering him. And uh, he was really a showman out there. And I, I talked to him about the trash talk afterward. And, you know, he agreed it, it's kind of like a good way to to increase the the competition level, to get everyone fired up, to make sure everyone's always giving it their all because you're going to give it to them. You know, if you're, if you're basically, if you feel like they're not giving it that 100%. So uh, it was really fun to watch him. It's very clear to me that he's taken that, that idea of what, you know, his NFL feedback was, which was you need to get a lot better in coverage. It seems very clear to me that he's taking that extremely seriously. And uh, he was, he was a lot of fun to watch. I, I think he is far and away the, the leader of that unit, um, I think he should be in for a huge year, and I definitely expect him to be drafted in, in the NFL draft next year. Yeah, I definitely agree. He will 100% be drafted. I I do wonder how he's going to bounce back. Not bounce back, that's not the right word, but how he's going to come back after last year where he was just incredible. I believe he was at least in the top three of tackles in the FBS, or he, maybe he was the leader in tackles. But I think he's going to be keyed in a little bit more, and they're going to try and get him in coverage, which again – could help him because if he's been working on that, then he's going to be ready for when, you know, wide receivers come at him or tight ends and all these other positions coming out of the backfield, even with running backs. I think that who is going to play alongside him is also really interesting. I, I don't necessarily know the players all that well yet with the linebackers at least, but I think that Joe Deneen is going to be again, fun to watch this year, but I'm interested to see how he comes back after last year where he was just incredible. He's really the only person on the defense that was like dominant the linebacker names are interesting because you've got guys like kyron johnson is maybe a name that stands out osaza ogbevor is is osaza ogbevor is, is another name of, of a guy who's been around like you can right now throw out i, I think keith loniker is still there and started just about every game this year you can throw out like a bunch of names of guys who have been okay next to jodanine or even solid next to jodanine 
but you're still not like feeling great about the linebackers units beyond him as a whole. So I think maybe one of the most interesting things will be to kind of see what Bill Miller, the position coach does developing guys beyond Joe name, because the K football team is going to have significant losses in that area next year. I mean, even if it were just Deneen, they would, it would be a significant loss because quite frankly, they're not going to uh, be able to make up his production probably next year with any singular player. However, Bill Miller, new linebackers coach who has tons of experience, Florida, Florida State, Kansas. I mean, he's been everywhere, Oklahoma State, Michigan State. Uh, he has four decades of experience. He knows how to replace guys by committee. That, that's been a big thing in his career uh, that he's he's received a lot of praise for doing. So I expect him to, if anyone would have a handle on how to replace a singular talent like Joe Deneen and make it up in the aggregate, it would be a guy like Bill Miller, especially moving forward. Uh, at the same time, I mean – Jodanin, I talked to him about this specifically because I was curious. I knew he was coming into the season with his own very particular and specific goals. And I asked him, I was like, is this still the plan for you? Because sometimes when you get a new position coach coming in, that position coach will be like, "Mm, actually, this is how we do things. So, you know, with all due respect to your goals, this is more about the team and, and whatever. And it seems like those goals really align and that he's going to have the chance to show himself in coverage, not just to get him to the NFL uh, but because that's what Bill Miller wants him to do, and Bill Miller also seems to be a fan of, of maybe a lot of the physicality that, that the KU defense has brandished at times. Uh, it hasn't always been there, um, but but definitely at times they've shown it. So I think it'll be really interesting to watch just the system fit with the uh, with all the linebackers. Keith Loniker is a guy, I think he could play in a lot of different systems, maybe not star in a lot of different systems, but I think I think he's another guy that you would consider at least an okay player. So uh, really intrigued to see what that what the uh, the linebackers groups as a whole looks like because I mean quite frankly that's a unit we don't know a whole lot about right now just because it, it was dominated so heavily by one presence last year. Yeah, exactly, and I think that I'm interested to see over the next couple years now with Bill Miller coming in with all of the experience that he has if he can develop these younger linebackers the just watching how he's going to be able to develop the other linebackers though I think is the biggest thing I'll be watching over the next couple years. All right, I think that's a good place to end it for our conversation on KU Football Media Day. We've gotten to pretty much every position unit except special teams, which didn't really do anything notable of what at least I observed. But uh, overarching thoughts, I I think generally this KU team has more depth, should be better. Obviously, we heard that last year and they won one game. So it'll be important to watch it to kind of see how it all looks on the field first. Um, At the same time, I I do think like someone had asked me, and this will actually be a mailbag question next week. where the like what is the the best case scenario for this team and i continue to believe that that the best case scenario for this football team could actually be like something that saves david Beatty's job like like maybe not six wins i, I that would be mm-hmm. a stretch i think yeah. even a best case scenario every game going the right way but but I don't know, maybe four or five and being competitive in others. Again, an absolute best case scenario. If I were picking right now, I would guess probably two wins for this team, maybe three. And and obviously I don't think that would be enough. But, you know, if if that's your question, I think if you're a KU football fan, if you are looking for a reason to get excited, I think there are enough things on this roster that you can get excited about that this year does not have to be the desolate whatever I think next year you'll get a lot of that because I think there's going to be a lot of youth. I think you're losing a lot of impact players, a lot of impact seniors. Mike Lee did tell me, I asked him, I was like, will you go, would you go to the NFL? Because I think he's definitely an early entrant candidate. And he told me straight up, he's like, if I were to be a first round pick, 
I'm not leaving Kansas because if I'm going to be a first round pick, then imagine what I'm going to be in college the next year. And Hmm. obviously guys say that, and then you see how things change, but, but very rare for a guy to straight up say, like, even if I were to be a first round NFL draft pick, which would be surprising. I don't think Mike Lee will be that mostly because of his size uh, after this year. But, but for him to say that, I was like, okay, that's probably a pretty good indication that he's at least given this idea some significant thought and, you know, he, he doesn't plan on bolting anytime soon. So Again, that's a best-case scenario. I'm absolutely, absolutely, absolutely not calling a five or six or whatever win season. Uh, And and again, I think two is probably the most likely outcome. However, if you're looking for reasons to get excited, more depth uh, for sure on this year's team and then maybe a little bit more talent filling in too. Yep, I definitely agree. I think for me, I'm I'm cynical, so I will believe it when I see it. But I definitely think that this team could win some games. I think, but you still have to look back at last year, just how big of a competitive gap there was, especially going against like Iowa State, TCU, where you get shut out. I think that that gap will be made a lot smaller. I think they'll be a lot more competitive in games, but I don't know if they have that killer instinct or the culture to be able to grind out those wins when the end of the game comes down, when it comes down to the end of the game. Definitely culture points a good one too, because uh, you see that so often in sports teams have to go through a devastating setback before they they kind of get to the where they're going and and the reason isn't because like oh they're going to try harder now that they've lost a lot of the times it's okay they got to that stage now they know what they need to do to win at that stage you know you see it in the NBA playoffs all the time a team will lose they won't be able to finish out a series they'll let a couple mistakes get to them well then the next year they don't make those same mistakes and they win the series and and get to you know one round further or something like that so Uh, definitely will be something to watch with the football team. That's where we're going to leave it off today. Next week, talking a little bit more Q basketball, Q basketball recruiting. So this has been the fog.net podcast, Scott Chasen, Michael Swain. Make sure to check out Kansas.247 sports for all your KU content. We will talk to you guys next week.